we got some special guests with us this morning. We actually got some guests in the auditorium. So as you know, next week we're going to invite everyone back, but today we have a few guests that are going to help us as we get ready to invite all of you back. So we got a couple of new systems in the building, and so we want to make sure that we kind of got a head start before we invited people in and before we went to two services. Um, this is our last online-only service. Can you believe that? It's our last one. This is actually our 11th service. And it's kind of crazy. I was saying this yesterday during prayer. I really feel like it's gone by like that. But in, in a, another way, it feels like it's been forever since we've had people in the auditorium. So um, welcome. Every, there's uh, probably about 20 people here. Welcome everybody here and welcome home everybody that's watching online. So there's a lot to talk about this morning. Um, first of all, we want to talk about Pentecost Sunday. It is Pentecost Sunday, and uh, it's a very important day on not just the Hebrew calendar, the Jewish calendar, but also the Christian calendar. I don't know if you knew this, but Pentecost Sunday is the 50th, 50th day, 50th day after Easter. Um, Penta is 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 the um, root word 50, and so it's the 50th day after Easter. It's also the 50th day after the Passover. So Jews don't. Um, uh, if you're a traditional Jew, you don't, you don't celebrate uh, Easter because Jesus isn't your Messiah. So if you're Jewish, uh, you, you celebrate the Passover, and then on the 50th day, they celebrate the giving of the law. So um, in the Old Testament, when, when uh, they were in Egypt, God sent the, the angel of death to come, and, uh, and they put the, the blood of the doorpost over, the blood on their doorpost, and the angel of death passed over them. Fifty days after they were out of Egypt, they were on Mount Sinai, and the law was given to the nation of Israel. So um, John said this perfect. I didn't realize he was going to say this earlier, but he said this perfectly. Um, in the Old Testament, the law was written on tablets of stone. And so in the Old Testament, God didn't give. Uh, there was a few people who had a heart to know the Lord, but in reality, their hearts were hardened, and that's why they got kicked out of, of Israel so many times. Today, the Holy Spirit comes and writes his law on our heart, and it becomes alive, and we have, as we are saying this morning, a passion to love the Lord and to serve him. So I want to read a few verses real quickly. This is Acts chapter 1, verse 3. This is the chapter right before uh, the day of Pentecost happened on, in Acts 2, but I want to read a few verses, Acts 1, verse 3. It says, he presented himself alive, talking about Jesus, to them after suffering by many proofs. He showed himself to many people to prove he was alive. Alive. Verse 4. Oh, let me finish that verse. Appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. So he told them how the kingdom of God was being established and also still coming to them through the Holy Spirit. Verse 4. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father. The promise of the Father is simply another a way you can say the giving of the Holy Spirit or the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. He says, of the Father, which he said, you heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Verse 6, so when they came together, they asked, I want you to pay attention to what they're, what they're asking him. I'm going to come to this later on in the sermon. They asked Jesus, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? You see, they, they had a misconception of the type of kingdom that Jesus was going to bring initially. Yes, Jesus is one day coming back. He's going to rule over the entire world. He's going to be king of the world. But they asked him, is this the time when, when those prophecies are going to take place? And look what Jesus said. He said, it is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, 
But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be, witness, be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. Jesus did bring the kingdom, but he brought a different type of kingdom. We're going to continue talking about that this morning as we get into, as we continue our series. In the very next chapter, the Holy Spirit descended on the apostles. And this is the power of the Holy Spirit. Before this chapter, the apostles were scared for their lives. They were nervous because their Messiah had just been crucified. Yes, he was raised from the dead, but they were still scared for their own lives. When the Holy Spirit came upon them, they were filled with so much power and boldness that they didn't care if they were, if they were tortured, if they were persecuted, or even if they lost their life. That is the power of the Holy Spirit. That is the power of Pentecost. How many of y'all know that we need the Holy Spirit to come on us again the way he did at Pentecost today? We're in the middle of some crazy, crazy times right now. We're coming out of a quarantine. Uh, our country is divided, as divided as seemingly as it's ever been. And there are so many uh, opinions. So many people are hurt. We need the Holy Spirit to come. So what we wanted to do this morning is to take some moments to pray. So if um, Roxanne, my dad, and Colin could come on up, we're going to pray over a few areas this morning. Um, I want to pray specifically uh, for our nation as we come out of COVID-19, out of quarantine. I want to pray uh, also for unity um, in our nation. You see what happened with George Floyd. I'm going to be talking about that here in a little bit. And then I want us to pray for our churches. And so we have a few people who are going to pray just for a few minutes. And what I would like for you to do, if you're, at, if you're at home watching, please join us in prayer. And if you're in the congregation, please be joining us. I, I, I don't have a lot to say, but I want to say this. The one thing that will cause Jesus' light to shine in the whole world is unity. The reason why our country is in uh, disarray is because there is no unity. It has to start with the church. If we are not united, if we're going to be separated by certain practices or certain um, ways we've done church and not going to come together and pray together and prefer one another, we, the world does not have a chance. And guess what? We don't have a chance. So what I believe that we need to do this morning is we need to collectively pray together. So please be joining us. Even if you're not watching live, even if you're watching a little bit later on, you're joining, joining together with us in spirit. So Roxanne's going to start, and then Colin's going to pray, and then my dad's going to finish, and then I'll, I'll wrap us up. So if you can go ahead, Ms. Roxanne. Good morning, kingdom. Uh, Josh told me to pray over unity this morning, and a scripture that the Lord had brought to me this morning was 2 Corinthians 4.18. So we don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen, for the things that we see now will soon be gone, but the things we cannot see will last forever. And this week, we're starting prayer and fast week. And this morning, something that the Lord really placed in my heart is that this week, we need to fight harder. The Lord says that some things are only going to come out through prayer and fasting. And right now, we are going through so many things differently. Not only division, but everything with sickness, illnesses. Houses are being divided. People are losing their jobs. And there's marriages that are being broken. So right now, we just need to come together in one accord and be praying and standing in the gap, being intercessors. Lord, we thank you today, Lord God. And I just come to you, Lord God. And I pray a spirit of unity, Lord God, over our nation, Lord God. 
You see what is going on right now. You see the division that is happening, Lord God, and that is not from you, Lord Jesus God. And we just rise up, Lord God, to intercede, Lord Jesus God, for the things that are going on right now, Lord God, to be in prayer, Lord God. I pray, Lord God, especially for those areas that are being hard hit right now, like New York, Lord God, Minneapolis, Los Angeles, Lord God. Rise them up, Lord Jesus God. Rise up intercessors, Lord Jesus God. Rise up people, Lord God. To hear, Lord God, their voices, Lord God, out in the streets, Lord God, bringing your word with power, Lord God. And let the power of your Holy Spirit fall, Lord God, as they pray, Lord God, and as they call out to you, Lord God, as they cry out to you in the name of Jesus, Lord God. We just pray right now, Lord Jesus, God. You see the people that are hurting, Lord God. You see the businesses that are being destroyed, Lord Jesus, God. It is heartbreaking to hear these people, Lord God. This is what they have. This is what they live on, Lord God. And these places are being destroyed, Lord Jesus, God. And I just pray and I lift up, Lord God, those, Lord God, that are in anger right now, Lord God. Put a spirit of conviction upon their hearts, Lord God, because you are a God of love, Lord Jesus, God. And let us share that love, Lord God. Let us spread that love, Lord God. Let you shine through us, Lord God. We need you right now more than ever, Lord God. Send us out there, Lord God. Let us be vessels for your kingdom, Lord God. Let us be the word, Lord God. Let us be the light, Lord God, right now, Lord God, in this darkness, Lord Jesus, God. We just call upon you right now, Lord God, to heal our nation, Lord God. We just thank you, Lord God, for what you are doing in the unseen, Lord God. And we will walk, Lord God, and not take our eyes off of you, Lord God. But we will trust in what you are doing, Lord God. And we will rise up, Lord God, stronger than ever, Lord Jesus, God. That this is only temporary, Lord God, but we will see your presence come down, Lord God. We will see the eternal that you have for all of us, Lord God. We just thank you this morning, Lord God, and we just plead the blood of Jesus, Lord God, over our nation, Lord God. We thank you, Lord God, and we just glorify you, Lord God, in the mighty, mighty, matchless name of Jesus. Amen. Lamentations 3.25 says that God is good to the man who passionately waits and the woman who diligently seeks. And so my hope this morning and, God, my prayer to you is that uh, as our country comes out of this, uh, this quarantine that, that, Father, that has created and wreaked fear throughout our country, that you would lift up the spirits and the hearts, not just of the leaders of our nation, uh, but, Father, the leaders in our homes, that the fathers and the mothers would be strong for themselves and for their children, that the school leaders, that their civic leaders, uh, the God, that they would have a, a vision that is clear from you, uh, that God, that they would make decisions based upon the faith that they have in you, the faith that this country was founded upon, Father, and not the fear that the enemy would love to send our way. And so, God, in, in, in Jesus' name, we just ask that you would bring peace and you would bring joy, and you would lift up the spirits of the husbands and wives and the fathers and the mothers and the leaders of our communities, our state and our country, that they would be lifted high. Father, that they would humble themselves and let their pride be set aside, that they would not be driven by what politics or what news would have them do, but Father, they would seek truth. And they would find that truth in you so that they could make decisions based upon your heart. On the way that you see mercy, God. On the way that you see what's right. And that you would bring a healing and a sense of forgiveness. And a sense of peace and patience for people. God, we passionately wait for you. 
and we diligently seek. And we know your word's true, and we will wait, God, until we see it come to pass. And it's in your name that we pray, Lord. Second Chronicles 7.14, if my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and turn from their wicked ways, I will heal their land. Heavenly Father, we come to you right now recognizing, God, that uh, we, uh, uh, we are standing here, Father, in behalf of churches, Lord. And Father, we lift up each and every church throughout the land, whatever they call themselves. Father, uh, it's not up to me to determine whether right or wrong, but Father, it is up to me, God, to pray for revival. And we believe, God, that you can visit each and every part of the body of Christ. We recognize, God, that the church is not a building, God, especially over the past two months, Lord God, that the, uh, the church is the body of Christ. And so, Father, we lift up the body of Christ throughout the land, Heavenly Father, and you see the different divisions of yes, no, maybe, uh, and Heavenly Father, we are standing, God, on who you are, God. Again, not on opinions of man, politics, racism, or whatever is going on, God, but on you. And we just pray for revival in each and every church body, Heavenly Father. Father, you see throughout the land, God, it's got to be more, God, than just a social gathering, God. It's got to be a place, God, where we meet you and you meet us, God, and change takes place, Father. And, Father, we lift up every church, Heavenly Father, in the Permian Basin, Heavenly Father. You see where they're at right now, God, the different struggles, Lord God, the attendance, God, the lack of attendance, God, uh, 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 the problems, God, in trying to get out to their congregation. But, Father, we just pray as they're gathering back together, God, that there would be a different mindset said God better yet a bit different spirit said Heavenly Father that we would be more hungry for you than ever before Lord God that when the preacher gets in the pulpit Heavenly Father uh, you are download have downloaded into his spirit exactly what they need God and that they are hearing in the spiritual realm God what they need to hear Father we pray God for church leaders God as the uh, churches are coming back together for wisdom and discernment on what's going on God we pray that your spirit goes before us God better than that we will allow Allow your spirit to go before us, God, and we will not quench the spirit as your word says, Lord, that we, Heavenly Father, have downloaded from you, God, amen, uh, wisdom, knowledge, and understanding, God, for each and every church, God. You see the church leaders, Father, we just pray, God, that it would be more than just, amen, a, a, a place of meeting God, but a place of meeting you, Father. And Father, we just pray, God, for all the churches, God. Now we pray for uh, Kingdom Church, Father. We lift up Pastor Josh, God, as he's leading us here, God. We pray for the leadership here, Heavenly Father, God, that we're getting behind not just what Pastor Josh is doing, but what you are doing through him, Father. We pray a spirit of peace, God. We just pray, God, that uh, a line upon line, precept upon precept here, little, there, little God. God, that your kingdom is going forth, God. We pray for a revival fire throughout the land in this church, God, that you will use this church, Lord God, as a soul-saving station, God. So, Father, we lift up again each and every church, God. Lift up kingdom church before your throne in Jesus' name. And, Father God, we just thank you for hearing us. Thank you for hearing our petitions. Thank you for hearing our requests. We do come together in unity, Father, asking for your kingdom to come in your will to be done, let it be done, we ask. We boldly become your before your throne of grace, asking for your kingdom, kingdom to come and your will to be done in our church, in our community, 
in our nation. Father, I pray that every church would experience the, the experience of Pentecost the way that the disciples did in the upper room thousands of years ago. Father, let us have a renewed passion and fire and boldness to see your kingdom expanded across the world. We love you. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's give the Lord a round of applause. Amen. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Amen. I think it was very important that we did that. And again, we simply go before the Lord and we ask for him to come and move in our hearts and in our lives. Amen. So last week we started a series. I just need the pulpit. Thank you. Um, I, uh, we started a series called Expanding the Kingdom. Thank you so much, Dad. We started a series called Expanding the Kingdom. And, and uh, I think it's really important that we're doing this because uh, we're going to two services. And um, this is the way, one of the ways we're going to expand God's kingdom. Our, our building is, our room is getting a little bit smaller. We added some cameras and uh, took away some rows. And so one of the ways that we are uh, t- um, physically expanding the kingdom is having more room. So we talked about that last week and we talked about what our role is. I want to read a few verses with you this morning. When Jesus asked his disciples to pray, he told them to pray like this. Look at Matthew 6 verse 9. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. One of the ways that we are to pray as believers is to say, God, not what I want, not what I think, not my ideas, not who I want in office, who I want running the show, who you want. Did you know that God can use people that you don't like to lead you? And the more we fight it, the more those people seem to have a little bit more authority in our lives. Is that right? So, again, it's not our kingdom, it's not our way of thinking, it's his way. In Luke 9 and 10, he sent out his disciples to go into, into the, uh, the areas of the Galilee, into, Ju- into, uh, into Judea, and to prepare his way. Look at 9 verse 1, Luke 9 verse 1. And he called the 12 together and gave them power. Look what he gave them, and he's giving this to us as well, through the Holy Spirit. This is Pentecost Sunday. Gave them power and authority over all demons and secure diseases. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal. I believe completely in physical healing. And I believe we should continue to pray for it. But I believe there is also emotional and mental healing that God wants to bring. How does this happen? And we went through a whole series about this about a month ago. And you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Truth has the power to set us free. I've prayed with several people, even just this past year, of the Holy, allowing the Holy Spirit to speak to their hearts, illuminate their thinking, and help them to realize the truth. When we come into agreement with truth, we experience freedom. There's all, and, and one of the physical signs is this a release. There's usually a release um, in, from your chest. There's a release, like burdens falling off your shoulders. This is what happens when we let go of lies and we embrace truth. So this is one of the reasons that Jesus sent the disciples to go out is to preach the truth, to explain that the kingdom of God is coming. Matthew 28, 18 and 20 is the Great Commission. We all have a responsibility to expand God's kingdom. And last week we talked about how we'll have a role to play. Um, if you were watching and some of us who are here, I was, I was talking about how we're the one body of Christ and, and uh, each of us have a specific function. So 
In my, in my body, I have fingers, I have hands, I have arms, I have, I have hair, I have, I have eyes, I have a brain, I have all these different functions. If we're not careful, we're jealous of the different uh, functions. I think some of us may be a toe and we want to be a hand. And they're like, God, how come I'm a toe? And, and I really cracked myself up last week. I'm like, I, I said, I'm a, I'm a toe and I usually have a sock on me. Nobody can see me and I'm stepping on the ground and all my, all the whole body's weight is on top of me. But God would say, if you weren't a foot, then then the body wouldn't be able to walk around. You are vital to the kingdom. We all have a role to play. Now, what is the kingdom of God? There's a lot of different definitions, but I believe um, a definition that has helped me understand what the kingdom of God is this. The kingdom of God is God's reality. It's God's reality that he is inviting you to enter into. That is why Jesus kept saying, he said, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God is near. And when the Holy Spirit was poured out on us, we were able to empower, experience the kingdom of God. And, and, I, and I said this last week, but whenever I would read Jesus say, repent for the kingdom of God is here, I would really interpret that as saying, hey, Josh, you need to get your act together. You know, the kingdom of heaven is about to be here. And if you don't repent, then you're not going to enter and you're not going to spend eternity with Jesus here and, and this and that. But I, once I, I read it last week, I saw it really new for the first time. I saw it this way. I feel like Jesus was saying, guys, turn away from your sins. Turn away from what you think you need to do, and you'll begin to experience the fullness of the kingdom of God. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. In John 3, verse 3, he says, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Being born again simply means giving our life to Jesus. Look at Romans 14, verse 17. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. I love this verse. Remember what the disciples asked in Acts 1. Hey, Jesus, are you going to now at this time give us the kingdom? Are you going to throw off the Roman oppression that has been on us for hundreds of years? And Jesus said, the kingdom of God right now is not about eating and drinking and walking in physical freedom. But it's about this. It's about righteousness, which is right living and its fruits. When you live a righteous life, you will experience the fruits of the Holy Spirit. And he lists two here. Peace and joy. The kingdom of God is not about uh, the type of freedom, physical freedom you're experiencing around you. It's about a mental, an emotional, a spiritual freedom that we can feel. It doesn't matter where you're at right now. It doesn't matter what you're experiencing. It doesn't matter that we're in the, in the middle of an economic downturn in an economic recession, it doesn't matter that we're coming out of a quarantine. It doesn't matter what the color of your skin is. You can experience freedom right now. That is the power of the kingdom of God. This is why Jesus, this is why, this is why, we're, called the king, this is why we're called kingdom church. Whenever we started the church, Jesus began to speak to me about, hey, my, my kingdom is not like the kingdoms of this world. In my kingdom, you turn the other cheek. In my kingdom, you allow yourself to be persecuted. You allow yourself to suffer. In my kingdom, you go the extra mile. In my kingdom, you do things that the rest of the world is very, very unfamiliar with. How many of you know, if you just look around the world right now with your physical eyes, you cannot see the kingdom of God? You can't see it. We have to look at the kingdom through the word of God and through the spiritual eyes. What's happening? We've prayed over this earlier. I'm going to hit it again. COVID-19. It's very... If we're looking at it with our physical eyes, I'm sure many of us and those who are not believers have said, Lord, why are you allowing this? Why is this happening right now? Don't you know people are losing their jobs? Don't you know people are going hungry? Our economic downturn, same thing. What happened with George Floyd last week? 
And I want to just take a second and talk about this. If we're not careful as Christians, we look at these things and we say, where's the kingdom? Where's the kingdom of God? Where are you, God? How many of y'all got to watch that video? It was bad, really bad. Um, there's, a, there's a picture, a close shot of, of, of that officer's knee on his neck, and to me, that's the, that's the worst. Um, that was a very, very hard thing, and we're asking ourselves, God, where are you? When is this going to stop? You know, and I shared some of my thoughts this past week, and I want to just kind of expand on that just a little bit. I think this is really, really, really important to talk about, and I really think it fits in with what we're talking about in expanding the kingdom. You know, I've watched a lot of Christian leaders give their, give their opinion about what needs to happen, and honestly, for the most part, I agree with most of it. I think um, that racism is real. I think uh, possibly that racism was part of this. Uh, I think the officer's heart was hardened from years of being on the, on the police force. And I was talking with Scott Gherkin, who's one of our elders, and he said, well, if you're not careful, um, your heart can become hardened. And you can, you can, and from the experiences, especially in that field, your heart can become hardened and you cannot extend mercy and not act justly and things like this happen. Um, I have a good friend who uh, posted recently. He's, a, he's married to, I believe, a white girl. He's black. And the wife posted uh, something about how when she got married, she didn't believe, really, she didn't know that racism was real. She didn't know if she really believed that. Um, but she said that they would get um, stopped um, randomly um, on the road and she would even be driving and they would ask for his license and ask for his information. And he began to, she began to understand, hey, this is real. And so are all, are all um, people racist? No, they're not. But just like there's uh, there's racist people in one group, there's racist people in, uh, and people that want to hurt other people in all groups. Um, I really do believe that justice does need to be served. I believe that as the body of Christ, we are called to, to act justly. And Amos talks about let uh, justice, righteousness, mercy flow. I think it's important. But one thing that honestly, and, and all that are in my small group were there this past Wednesday, I shared my heart. I really believe that a big message is being left out right now, a big message. And that is of forgiveness. Um, you see, justice doesn't bring healing. And this is what our, our nation needs. Forgiveness brings healing. Justice does a lot of things, but it does not bring healing. Think about the mother or father who lost their, their loved one in a shooting or in an unjust experience like this. What if reparations were made and they were given millions of dollars? Would that millions of dollars take care of the healing or the hurt that's in their heart from losing their loved one? No. Justice does a lot of things, but it does not bring healing. I'm really concerned because I just don't see enough of this. I remember, I don't see enough of forgiveness being taught. I remember whenever, uh, about, I think it was like four years ago, uh, everything was happening at Ferguson. And I remember reading a story about a group of black men who jumped a white man as he was walking or something, and they beat him up. And I remember in the comment section, I was looking at the different comments and there was a, a, um, a black guy who commented, yeah, that was really bad. Yeah, that was bad. But it's nothing compared to what my family has had to go through. You know, the sad thing is that's probably a true statement. And I realized something in that comment. He's hurt. And he's not just carrying his personal hurts. He's carrying generational hurts from his parents, from his grandparents. Probably further on, he's carrying this hurt. And I began to realize 
this hurt will not be alleviated until he learns to forgive, until he forgives those people who have hurt him or hurt his family. I really, and I think as I've prayed more and I've thought more during this time, I really understand how hurt uh, the black community is. I think a lot of the riots that are happening around are happening because um, they're saying, hey, we took a knee on the football field, you're not listening, and there's just this overwhelming hurt. I'm not saying it's right, I'm not saying it's justified, but I understand why certain people are acting out. But hurt will not go away until there's forgiveness. You want to know the truth? There are many of us in this room that are waiting for wrongs to be made right, and the truth is, some of them won't be made right until we get to heaven. I'm going to say it again. There are many of us in here, many people watching, are waiting for justice to be served, but the truth is, some things will not uh, be paid back to us until we get to heaven. That's the truth. And there's a whole world out there, and unfortunately, some of us in the Christian community that don't understand this, that we have to learn to live with this truth, that God is a just God. In Romans uh, 14, it says, Romans 12, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Yes, we talk about justice, but vengeance and justice belongs to the Lord. We are to walk in forgiveness. You know, if there's anyone that had the right to call for justice, it was Jesus. Jesus was sinless. He didn't do anything wrong. And yet, on the way, as he was healing people, they were wanting to stone him. Can you imagine? He was helping people, and there were people wanting to kill him. On the way to the cross, he fulfilled a prophecy in Isaiah 53, 53 verse 7. He was oppressed, and he was afflicted. Yet he opened, this is so powerful, yet he opened not his mouth. Like a lamb that is led to the slaughter, he didn't open his mouth. Like a sheep that is before its shears is silent, he opened not his mouth. When he was on the cross, did he say, Father, get them? You put them on the cross, Father. I'm trying to save them. I'm trying to take care of their sins. Did he say that? No, he said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. What was the result of God, of, of the Jesus saying, Father, forgive them? Healing came for every one of us. You see, when we extend forgiveness, healing always comes. And in, in 1 Peter 2, Jesus invites us into this reality. I just want to read this real quickly. 1 Peter 2, verse 19. It says, For this is a gracious thing. When mindful of God, one endures sorrows while suffering unjustly. Uh, Peter is saying this is, a, this is a gracious thing in God's sight, that when you're suffering unjustly, you endure it. Verse 20, I'm going to paraphrase. He's saying if you sin and you suffer the consequences, what, is, what credit do you get? You're, you're, you're reaping the consequences of your actions. But if when, you're, if when you do good, you suffer unjustly and you endure it, this is a gracious thing. One of the most powerful verses in the Bible, verse 21 for to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. What did he do? He committed no sin. There was no, there was no deceit. There were no lies found in his mouth. When he was attacked, when he was reviled, he did not revile or attack in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but he did this. And this is something that we are called to do. He continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. This is what we are to do. 
We are God's children, and we are to entrust ourselves to our God who says, vengeance is mine, I will repay. That is a promise. In this life, we're going to go through all kinds of suffering. We're going to go through all kinds of injustice. And some things will not be made right until we get to heaven. But we know at one point it will be made right. I believe there are a lot of people who are speaking out because they feel that they, that God, and, and this, even if, they're, even if they're a believer, they really, I'm telling you, during this time, it's exposing what people believe. People are running around like chickens with their head cut off because they think it's up to them to uh, take care of their safety, to take care of all these things. This is really exposing what do we believe? Do we believe that God is in control? Do we believe that God loves us, that he is a just God, that he repays, he watches out for us, he repays, uh, he pays us back, maybe not in this lifetime, but when we go to meet him, he will repay us back. Do we believe that? Verse 24, he himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. Look at this, by his wounds, By his forgiveness, we are healed. This is the power of forgiveness. This is the kingdom of God. We can find freedom, not based on the opportunities we've had, not based on what people, how people have treated us wrongly or fairly. We can find freedom in him. He is our father. We are his children. And this is something that I just feel real strongly. My identity is not in the color of my skin. I'm Hispanic, um, uh, Mexican heritage, but my identity is not in the color of my skin. My identity is first in that I am a son of God. And anybody who has given their life to Jesus has that heritage. That's why I had family members and I had friends and I saw a lot of people on Facebook when all that was going on at the border and, and, with, and supposedly that ISIS was, was mistreating families and this and that. And I had many people that are Hispanic raise this huge thing. And, and, I, and, I, and I thought, okay, maybe it's happening, maybe it's not happening. But I'm not going to be silent. I'm not going to just raise my voice because somebody of the color of my skin is raising their voice. We're going to fight for justice for all. And on top of that, even if justice is not served, I'm going to follow my father. I'm not going to follow my, my heritage. I'm not going to follow the color of my skin. I'm going to follow Jesus because I am first a son of God. And that's who you are. And guess what? If you are the son of God, you have been called into the suffering. You have been called into suffering. You that are watching out there, you have been called to suffer with him. But guess what? There is peace and joy. The natural mind thinks if you go, you're going through this, you're going to experience this, this, um, you're going to experience hardship and this and that, quite the opposite. People that are starving in other countries have more peace and joy than we do because they know whose they are. And this is, I want to just say this, our father sees you. If you feel like you're being oppressed and nobody sees you, and that's the issue, there is somebody in heaven who sees you. It is our father. He loves you. And though the whole world comes against you, he is for you. And one day he will invite you into his kingdom in heaven. I shared this a couple weeks ago. There was a, a man on America's Got Talent. His name was Archie Williams. He was wrongly convicted of rape and in, was sentenced to prison for 36 years. 36 years. Talk about injustice. That's injustice right there. He said, freedom, this, this is powerful. He said, freedom is of the mind. He said, although I went to prison, I didn't allow my mind to go to prison. Although my body was in prison for 36 years, he said, I didn't let my mind go to prison. The kingdom of God brings a powerful reality. Someone who is physically behind bars said, I'm not in prison. 
I'm free. There are people living in mansions in Hollywood who probably feel more in prison than he ever did. That is the power of the kingdom of God, and we are called to expand his kingdom. Now, one way we're expanding the kingdom, I'm going to go into to next week. One way we're expanding the kingdom is going to two services. We're going to be meeting at 9.30, One of the A couple of the reasons we're doing this is because we need more space. I believe it's going to give us give people more options, and everyone is going to get to attend the service. To me, this is, this is important. A lot of people who are serving in kids' church, serving in nursery, they're not able to attend every week. Everybody who goes to kingdom is going to be able to attend a service every week. That's awesome. You can, and uh, we're, we're, um, we're introducing an initiative, attend one, serve one. So everybody will attend a service and then serve another service. You may serve the first one and then attend the next one, but you'll be able to attend one, serve one. You have a role to play. I'm going to speak to everyone in here because I can see your eyes. You have a role to play. If you are called to kingdom, you have a role to play. And I just want to encourage you, the role you, that God wants you to play is probably bigger than what you're comfortable operating in. But you have a role to play. And it's going to require cost. I said this earlier. If there's one thing that's going to defeat this initiative, defeat this transition, is a lack of unity. If we're going to walk in unity, we need to lay down, we need to put aside our ego at the door, our ideas at the door, and say, not what I want, but what you want, Jesus. What you want, what is best for the kingdom of God in our, our church. I want to end with this story. I was re- I'm reading in Nehemiah right now. Um, I'm actually going to finish up my Bible in one year in like four days. And so one of the last books in this reading plan is Nehemiah. Nehemiah was a cupbearer in, uh, in, the, in the Persian Empire uh, when the Jews were in exile. He was a cupbearer. He worked for the king. And he heard news that back home in Jerusalem where there was a few of his brothers who were left behind, he heard that the wall was torn down and the gates were burned down. The walls had holes in them and the, the gates were torn down. And there was a passion that rose up in him. We were, we were saying stir a passion. There was a passion that rose in him. He say, he, and he thought, how can my homeland, once the, the, um, the dwelling place of the Ark of the Covenant where God sent his people, how can this place be in disarray? The king saw that he was down and asked him, what's wrong, Nehemiah? Nehemiah said, how can, I, how can I be joyful when my homeland is in ruin? Long story short, the king allowed him to go back and he went to build. When he got there, his enemies heard that his enemies heard that Nehemiah came back to build the walls and they was going to build the wall. And the, and the enemy came and said to him, did God really tell, did, did the king really give you permission to build the walls again? Don't you know that if a fox gets on top of the wall, this is in there, if a fox climbs on top of the wall, the wall is going to fall down? The enemy sent these men, to the, uh, these men were sent to discourage Nehemiah to not build the wall. And Nehemiah said, no, I'm going to keep, I'm going to keep building. Eventually, his enemy saw that Nehemiah was serious. And so they devised the plan to come against him to actually attack him and all of the Jews who were building. And I want to pick up in verse uh, Nehemiah chapter 3, verse 15. I'm going to read a few verses. They discovered the plan, and this is what happens. He says, when our enemies heard that we knew of their plans and that God had frustrated them, we all returned to our work on the wall. But from then on, only half, listen to this, only half my man worked while the other half stood guard with spears, shields, bows, and coats of mail. He said, oh, half were working and half were standing at attention. Is that familiar? Attend one, serve one. 
Half we're doing, I just had to tie it there. I don't don't know if you got that. Half were working and half were standing guard. The leaders stationed themselves behind the people of Judah who were building the wall. The laborers carried on the work with one hand, check this out, supporting their load and one hand holding a weapon. They were literally putting bricks or whatever whatever they're using to build the wall, the mortar, and they had a sword in one hand and a tool in the other. All the builders had a sword built into their side. The trumpeteers stayed with them to sound the alarm. Then I and I explained to them, the work is very spread out and we are widely separated from each other along the wall. When you hear the blast of the trumpet, rush to wherever it is sounding, then our God will fight for us. They worked together, and this is key. They worked together. Half of them were doing one job. Half of them were doing another job. Now, I did say a 10-1 serve one. You may think, how does that work? One of them you're only working, the other one you're actually in the service. I think it's important to understand that if we do not learn to sit before the Lord, we will get burned out and we won't be able to work. So it may seem like we're not doing anything, but we are filling our spirit as we are sitting down during worship, during the word, during prayer, and we're filling our spirit so that we're filled to do the work God has had us to do. This is going to be a cost. It's going to be very hard for us to, tra- to really transition to this because we're used to, the service is going to, the actual service is going to be shorter, but the whole morning is going to be a little bit longer because you're going to be in one service and you're going to be serving another service. The cost is great, but think about everything that you have in your life. You gave up something very precious to have that, whether it was an investment, whether it was a house, whether it was a degree, or whether it was, your loved one. Your loved ones aren't cheap, right? If you're married, you can say amen. They're not cheap. Everything comes with a cost. Once you ask yourself a question, how can I expand the kingdom? Later on in the story, uh, story the, his enemies still tried to come against him and try to, try to get him to stop. And Nehemiah said this, I'm engaged in a great work. I can't come. We have to have this mentality that we're engaged in a great work. We're engaged in a great work of expanding the kingdom. And when we do that, God will be with us. If you're in here, can you please stand? And if you're watching us, can you please stand? I just want to invite you to stand, even if you're at your couch, even if you're on your bed. If you're on your laying on your bed, just sit up in your bed and, and join with us. I want you to ask the question, how can I expand the kingdom? We're going to pray in just a second. I want to close with a few things that we're going to pray. If you're volunteering you should be uh, invited to a meeting this week, or maybe you've already had a meeting. Um, it's going to be very important that you attend or that you follow up with your leader. Please, 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 please follow up. We need volunteers in every area. Um, for the, fir- for the first uh, month or two, we're going to be uh, really censoring how we in- uh, allow kids to come in. Not many churches are having kids' ministries. We're going to have it. We're going to have everything next week. If your kid is not feeling well, running nose, sneezing, coughing, whatever, I just ask you to stay home. It's okay. Uh, if you come, we're probably going to be taking their temperature. Um, kids don't know how to social distance, okay? They're going to be all up in each other's saliva and kissing one another and, and all that. So um, we're going to be, we're really going to be censoring that. So if your kid is not feeling well, just stay home. It'll be okay. There will be services for them. And then last, if you don't have faith to come, it's Okay. There are many people in here, or a few people in here who are, who are here and they have faith to be. If you don't have faith to come, it's okay. No condemnation. If you feel like you need to wait a few more weeks, please, please do that. If you feel like you need to wear a mask, wear a mask. 
Um, we're going to be instructing all volunteers to um, understand that not everybody is going to hug one another right away or shake hands. That's okay. Let's all prefer one another. We're going to be sanitizing all areas in between services. So we're going to do our best to make sure that we have a healthy environment.